Hey everyone, welcome back to Movie Morning. And last week, episode 8 of She Hulk Attorney at Law debuted on Disney Plus and Daredevil, one of my favorite characters of all time in Marvel Comics, and one of my favorite on screen portrayals of any superhero ever, made, their, made his first appearance in the MCU with Charlie Cox back. Now, I really wanted to talk about this episode because of that. I'm not going to lie and pretend like I loved the episode and that's why I want to talk about No, I honestly just wanted to talk about it because Daredevil has returned. But now that we are also approaching the finale of She-Hulk, which airs later today in a few hours, I will also be doing a review of that, whether that's later today, which what I'm hoping to do as soon as the episode drops, or in a few days, that's fine. I'm also intending on reviewing The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, the entire season as the finale airs. I reviewed the first two episodes, but never got to review. I didn't really have any interest in reviewing any other episodes and see how that show ended up turning out. And then I also want to talk about the latest episode of Andor, and I'm still deciding whether to talk about it in the chunk of four to six episodes and talk about all three of the past few episodes together or talk about just episode six. And I really do want to get back into talking about that show weekly. Now with She-Hulk ending, hopefully I'm more focused into just talking about that show. But anyways... Let's talk about this episode of Shield Returning Law. And obviously, spoilers, it's been out for a week now, so I'm assuming if you had any interest in seeing it, you would have seen it by now. And yeah, let's get right into it. Now, overall, I thought this episode was probably one of, definitely the better episodes of the season. Now, I'm going to be honest, I didn't think it was great. I thought it was a pretty okay and decent episode. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I think a lot of the reason why a lot of people are saying that this is the best episode, while they are claiming that it's mostly because it's not at all because Daredevil is there. I do think that Charlie Cox's presence does help the episode a lot. And I actually think him coming into the show almost forced the writers to almost have felt like try a bit more. And this episode does show me that these writers can write a good She-Hulk show. It's just that they really struggled up until this point. And I haven't talked about the show for a few weeks, so I'm assuming so you might not really be caught up with my opinion and I probably should have reiterated my thoughts. But up to this point, I have just disliked the show more and more as it's gone on. But this episode gave a nice little injection into the veins of the show. And it gave me a bit more interested to see where the finale could go. But I think in the end, this will probably land as one of, if not the worst MCU project of all time. And that's not really an exaggeration. I'm just being like dead serious here. Because of the way they've written this show and the way the story's played out and just how frustrating the format and tone of the show is like just because this show is a sitcom really doesn't mean I can I have to like everything they're doing just because it's being successful in a sitcom I do not like this genre I'm 100% honest and I don't even think the show has succeeded at doing that genre well and I think there was a much better version of this show if they were more interested in telling the character arc of Jennifer Walters because I think do in the end I think it actually is one of the better parts of the show. And I think that the character arc itself in an idea in the few episodes it's been the main focus, like with episode seven and the abomination. Well, I didn't really like that episode. I thought it was a bit more bearable than the previous few episodes before that because it focused on what the show should have been on about the entire time. Now, starting off with the episode, I did sort of like the premise of this character, Leapfrog, who in the comics is actually the son of Frogman. And obviously, it's flat with the last name Patilio, and his boosters break while he's trying to be a superhero and when he fires it up. Now, we learned that Luke Jacobson, who made the super suit for She-Hulk, was also the designer of, um, of the super suit of Leapfrog. And because of that, uh, 
Leapfrog wants to sue Luke Jacobson, who also makes this, make, makes makes the costumes for She-Hulk. But but Leapfrog literally goes to Jennifer Walters to be his lawyer. And when She-Hulk goes to confront Luke Jacobson, Jacobson feels betrayed by She-Hulk without many much explanation. It's kind of just the way melodrama is set up in the show. Characters just are dumb and don't listen to reason. And that's part of why the show has really frustrated me. And because of that, She-Hulk is going to go against Jacobson because Jacobson refuses to make any more costumes for She-Hulk and refuses to make the costume that She-Hulk will end up wearing to the gala that she goes to at the end of this episode. And right off the bat, i got to say that this kind of a premise should have really been the main premise for all of these episodes. And going right off, and this is kind of how Matt Murdock, I think, is actually pretty naturally weaved into the show. And I also have to say that as soon as Matt Murdock came in the show, for some reason, the law writing became a lot better. And I think it really was to the detriment of this show that the premiere episode of this literally aired two days after Better Call Saul ended with its finale. And that's a show that has excellent law writing, excellent court writing. This is a show that has really bad court writing. And I think that when you compare these two shows, although this is meant to be a comedy and a procedural it's just not very engaging whenever there is a courtroom scene. And this was the first one that I thought worked. And we get our introduction to Matt Murdock, who's representing Jacobson, who made him his yellow costume. Now, I'm assuming this does pretty much show that Matt Murdock is using the yellow costume in L.A. to hide that Daredevil is also in L.A., although he doesn't really use that to hide from Jen because Jen already knows. And he's probably going to use his red costume as soon as he's back in New York and also probably in the Echo series, which is good. Because I do think this costume would feel a bit out of place with that show. And I think the darker red suit works a bit better. I know a lot of people want the bright red suit. But I think Netflix did a good job of adapting the character. Now, he represents Jacobson, who made his costume. And instantly, man, this was just much better writing in, you know, in law terms. And I just think, really think, it just proved, it just made this show better with Charlie Cox returning. And man, how good is he in this role? I just love him so much. And there's a lot of really interesting set things said in this, and I was just so excited to see him again. Now, there's a lot of talk in here, which I actually really liked, about the identity of superheroes that kept safe. And we get some of that dry humor that we're usually with Charlie Cox, which I expect. We didn't get as much of him quipping in this particular sequence. And obviously, Matt Murdock's got to win because Lee Frog is just a stupid person and used and used jet fuel for his engine. And it also leads to a bit of a name drop of the Sokovia Accords no longer being in effect. Now, obviously, Matt Murdock had to win this because let's just be real. He seems like the much better lawyer who's really doing business. And along with that, I think his case just made a lot more sense. And obviously, I wanted Matt Murdock to win because I just think he's the much more compelling character. And again, I just felt like the law scenes in this episode were much better written. I thought this episode and how it addressed superheroes' identities and how Matt's superhero persona differs from Jen, who didn't really have an option and had to show her true face as She-Hulk, I really liked that. And name-dropping that the Sokovia Accords have now no longer in play, obviously that means the government no longer has any control over the Avengers. And I'm assuming that's obviously because of how the Sokovia Accords kind of led to the Avengers breaking up and because of that, losing to Thanos in Infinity War, which I don't really know how it would get out of the public, but I digress. We can move on. Now, this leads to Matt Murdock and Jennifer Walters talking over a drink, and he actually, and I will say right off the bat, I think that Tatiana Maslany and Charlie Cox have great chemistry together as She-Hulk and Daredevil, respectively. 
I think that they play off each other really nicely. Their style of humor is very different, but I think it complements each other well. And it almost made, again, the writing for Jen also a lot better in these types of scenes. And I thought they did a nice job of making Matt Murdock be the person to give her the nudge about She-Hulk being used to use used to help people once the law fails. And Jennifer Walters using the law to help when society fails. And I thought that was a nice line that they threw in there. And it was a good moment for her character. And Matt Murdock does indeed reference, when we get to those Daredevil references, his own practice in New York, which is probably... Meaning, which gives another hint towards this potentially being the same Matt Murdock as the Netflix show, which is what I'm hoping it will be. And now, what he could have done to really confirm whether it was or not, or confirm is confirm whether or not it's Nelson Murdock or Nelson Murdock and Page, which is what they ended up changing their name to in season three, or at least planning to. And that's kind of where we closed off. And in the end, it just felt like there was always more story to tell with that show, even though that was, at the end of the day, a natural wrap-up from how Karen met them in episode one i really just wish we got more and i love that show so much and i haven't really talked about that here but i've talked about it way too much and daredevil i've said many times one of my favorite shows of all time easily the best comic book show of all time in my mind and yeah like i said earlier i think charlie cox as mad murdoch is one of the greatest on-screen portrayals of a superhero of all time and we've gotten more hours with him as daredevil than almost any other superhero and it really does show because the character just brings such gravitas and charlie cox does in his role and i just loved what he did for jen's character arc in this particular scene in particular then we continue on and here is when we get daredevil attacking leapfrog and we learned that leapfrog actually kidnapped luke jacobson because of how he lost the case lost the case and obviously wants jacobson to make him another costume now we get a little fight scene between she hulk and daredevil and by the way she hulk is called on by by a leapfrog who calls her a lawyer knowing that she's also a hulk and they have a little fight now there is a cgi daredevil being used now originally when they released this as a clip it really made me upset because i'm very passionate about that show and how good the action is and the action in this didn't really compare now daredevil is definitely a bit more acrobatic in this and while i liked his movement it all seemed a bit too smooth and it made it look like the character just had no bones and I've always found Daredevil to be a rougher fighter in the Netflix version. Obviously, in the comics, this is a bit more represent of what we've gotten in modern Daredevil comics. And especially, like, starting from the early Daredevil comics. But I do think that the character works better on screen as kind of the rough and brutal fighter he is in the Netflix show. And I hope they bring that back. And I really hope they don't use CGI for the Born Again show. But it's nice to be hearing recently that... They will be filming on location in New York and almost for an entire year for an 18-episode show. And I do have a lot of faith that it will end up working well. And Kevin Feige, I think with this case, has to know what fans want here. And Je- and basically, we continue fighting, and Jen does win the fight. Now, I'm actually not going to complain about this because I do think that she's a Hulk, and it kind of makes a bit more sense. Takes off his mask, and they name-drop Daredevil, which I think is the first time they officially that Matt Murdock is referred to himself as Daredevil, although I could be wrong. He might have done it a bunch of times in the Netflix show. Now, they do name drop again Daredevil, and as they he said that they do play the theme song. Now, originally, I really liked the inclusion of the theme song because I gave another hint towards maybe him being the same as the Netflix version, but on rewatch, the theme song played a bit more like a joke where uh, he says, I'm Daredevil. He says, are you the gold devil? Then he says, I'm Daredevil, and then the song cuts off like a comedy and I didn't really like that on on 
re-watching that scene because I'm going to be honest with you. I did not watch a whole episode. I just watched every scene with Matt Murdock again. I'm just going to be straight up honest with you here. And I mean, the first time I did watch the whole episode, but on rewatch, I really only went back to watch the Daredevil scenes to kind of talk about it here. Now, they also name drop echolocation, which they've never done in the Netflix show. And I am positive, like almost 100% confident in saying that. And echolocation in the comics is Daredevil's superpower, being able to pretty much in his mind, create an image of everything around him, even more so than just the human eye can, which is just everything really in front. And that's something that they've never really talked about in the Netflix show. He uses hypersenses to do that, which is sight, smell, and feeling, obviously, and touching, and without sight. And I think that, um, and I think that they do, I, I like that they name drop that, and, and I also like that She-Hulk, or Jen, was pretty shocked by his ability of hearing their heartbeat, and it kind of creates a bit of tension and chemistry between the two in that particular sequence. But it leads to a hallway fight where we get Daredevil fighting a few of Leapfrog's men. Now, it does make sense how he has his people because of uh, he's very, his father's very rich, who I'm assuming was, is, was actually previously Frogman, and I do hope they maybe bring that up in the finale. Now, there's a hallway fight, obviously very reminiscent of the many hallway fights we got in the Daredevil Netflix show, two of which were one takes, which is what the action in that show is probably most known for. And when it comes to this hallway fight, it was actually not bad. It was a bit more grounded and maybe a bit more just had a bit more force than every other fight in the show, which has just been CGI mess on top of CGI mess and just just feeling nothing because everything is computer generated. This fight scene had a bit more practicality to it. Now, it didn't have as much. Now, clearly, it just did not have as much just a visceralness to it as in the Netflix show and as good fight choreography, but I'm I'm sure they're going to resolve that by the Daredevil show because of movies like Shang-Chi now in the MCU. But it was kind of ruined for me by how She-Hulk just jumped in in the middle of it. And I get that I'm focusing on Daredevil for most of this, but that's, I'm going to be honest, that was really the main thing I was interested in after the so many episodes in a row were just not good to me. And I wish we kind of just got a fuller fight scene. Now, we did get a bit more of it, and this is where... I started being a bit more iffy of their portrayal of Daredevil, and that's when he starts kind of doing these doing these quips, and where he's just like, oh, I watch a lot of, I watch a lot of what like procedurals or lawyer dramas. I don't really remember, and I thought he maybe they went a bit too far into the, the kind of the quip machine version of Daredevil, which is not what he was in the Netflix show. He was very dry with his humor. And I also found it odd that She-Hulk wasn't listening to Daredevil, considering he actually does this, and they all—they all already also mention that they also mention that. But I think that it did show the better side of this character, and they do end up defeating Leapfrog, obviously. And Luke Jacobson is set free and agrees to make more costumes for She-Hulk, and everything turns out fine, which you know is kind of what I expected. And I think as a whole, before we get into the rest of the episode, I think that the use of Daredevil was pretty okay in this and i did okay i'm not gonna lie most of my enjoyment did come from from the way they used charlie cox as matt murdoch and i do think that as a whole i liked how they used him and i did really enjoy him and i think overall they didn't ruin him too much they did have a bit more quips but it wasn't to the point that i personally got annoyed and i do think that this version of daredevil if made slightly darker, which I do think he will be, I think they only really made him lighter for the show, I think will actually work really well in the, in the Daredevil Born Again show. And it does give me a bit more faith that Marvel is 
taken care of with doing that. Now, unfortunately, all of that is almost ruined when after they spend the night together, Matt Murdock does the walk of shame, and I just did not like that at all. And I really thought this entire sequence was unnecessary, and honestly, I would have loved it more on that rooftop when they were just sitting on that sign. Matt Murdock just went back to New York, and then it, it kind of just cut off it. Matt Murdock said, next time I'll take you out to dinner, and honestly, that would have worked a lot better. And if anything, I think it, I think that I am pretty confident saying that I do think Jennifer Walters will make at least an appearance in at least an episode in the Born Again series, which is twice as long as this show, and probably even more than that with the episode lengths in this show being really short. I'm assuming she'll be in that series for at least one episode, if not more. And I think that with the way the episode played out, it kind of makes it a bit more awkward. And I think that had they just left it at them going their separate ways right off the bat, it would have just ended up leading into a particular appearance in that show better. But hey, I would obviously prefer her not to show up because I do think there's a particular tone with that show that would be ruined. What, but yeah, that particular sequence I thought was really stupid and really did not need to be here. Now, the episode does end with a lot more, with a lot more, intri- a lot more intriguing elements than I expected, where Jen goes to a party and they kind of completely embarrass her and, and they leak something of her and it just gets, and it's just a very dark thing that I didn't really expect this show to get. And what was really set up for the finale is that well, firstly, Jen goes into full-on rage mode and is controlled and almost kills a few people and is, as a result, contained by a lot of um, officers having a gun pointed at her. And that's the end of the episode. We get a little fourth wall break where Jen looks at the camera and realizes she's really messed up and made a lot of people very angry. And I do think this particular moment probably should have come a few episodes ago and been the setup, again, right after the start of the episode, but been a bit more leading right into the final of the episode where the story really kicks in. My biggest worry is that the story is just non-existent. There isn't really a plot here, but they're still going to try to create a finale. And even the show even references how it has to do this. But my question is, why not maybe extend the show, or not even extend it, cut out a lot of the episodes in the middle and move this back to like episode five or episode six? And then have three episodes where you really have a main antagonist, whether that's the leader going to be showing up, the abomination revealed to be the main antagonist. I'm just not very excited to see how they actually handle the conclusion to the storyline. Now, but now, if there is enough to talk about, and it's not just a lackluster finale, or if it's just, or if it's just nothing really happens of note, as long as that's not the case, I will be talking about the finale of She-Hulk, and I will be back hopefully later today, if not tomorrow, talking about it. So thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you guys enjoyed Daredevil's first appearance in the MCU, and I'll catch you all next time. Bye-bye.